Envy of New York is a streetwear and lifestyle brand invoking the history and the aesthetic of the gritty streets of New York. Be the envy of everyone you meet. Shop today at envyofny.bigcartel.com and follow them on Instagram at envyofny. Hi, are you guys all going to go home and like take showers and like rub yourselves down and shit and think about like going thrift store shopping the next day? You're like, mm, I don't need to go to Old Navy. <laughs> yeah. Hi, so um, my name is Raven Strelo. I am a many things, uh, but I am here in the, uh, in the capacity of, of being a psychotherapist. Um, but I think that what we're going to really talk about today is we're going to touch on a couple of different things, but really looking at therapeutic activities um, and how they are an integral part of emotional health, mental health, um, resiliency, etc., etc. Um, and then I will let my co-person introduce themselves. My name is uh, Ryan Schaefer. I am uh, by day an entertainment lawyer. I also have a nonprofit called Breakthrough, which focuses on what we phrase as mental fitness. So it is uh, capitalizing on the mental health that comes through physical fitness, and uh, that's pretty much what we're here to talk about. So let her begin. Though. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Are any of you familiar with therapy? Cool. <laughs> um, so, I am too. No, I'm kidding. Um, I am. Um, so, one of the th we wanted to, to touch on a couple of different things today, and I think that one of the things is, you know, I think historically, um, therapy has not been something that has been super accessible to communities of color. And um, on top of that, there are cultural factors, um, societal factors that make, you know, even conversations around mental health um, either uncomfortable, non-existent, um, problematic, or, you know, simply, you know, just something that maybe pe not everybody is necessarily well-versed in. I think with the introduction of Instagram and wellness influencers and all sorts of other folks that have nonprofits that are people that are really pushing to to make things um, like therapy really accessible to folks. One of the things that um, I think that people that we wanted to really talk about is not just you know there there are times where you know one-on-one -on -one therapy is necessary and cannot be skipped over. Right, that that there are um, things that are things like depression, um, other mental illnesses, a familial history of mental illness, um, resiliency factors, needing to learn different coping mechanisms. All of these things, trauma, right? Things that can and probably should be discussed with a professional. Um, and then there are. So that's, that's what happens in the room, right? That's what happens when you somebody comes to my office, you sit down, we talk. And then, you know, a lot of what we wanted to discuss today is like, okay, so then what? Right? Then what do you do? Because that's, that's at, at, at most 45 minutes, one time a week, if you're lucky. 
that you get to do that. So, so what else, right? And, you know, therapeutic activities is something that I personally focus a lot with my clients. I am not a come here, lay on the couch, talk to me about your childhood trauma necessarily kind of therapist. I am definitely more goal and task oriented and there's a reason for that because my job, I believe, is to put myself out of a job. My job is that people don't rely on me endlessly and eternally. Um, and with that, you know, I really see the importance of therapeutic activities as a way to sustain and really um, to sustain what it is that you're doing with your therapist so that long after you're out of therapy, you have hopefully have developed and gained skills that are transferable, right? Things that you will be able to carry with you. Um, now, just a very quick question. Who here has heard of the term um, self-care? Everybody? Okay, so who here sometimes feels a little stuck on what that might really mean or be? Anybody feel confused or conflicted even? Oh, cool. Um, not everybody, right? But hopefully, you know, it looks like some of us have done some work around that. So self-care can look like a lot of different things. And I think that um, I can talk about a few ways in which I think um, self-care really needs to be very specific to the person that you're dealing with and, and, and needs to be specific to the time and the issue that the person is dealing with, et cetera, et cetera, resources, et cetera. Um, but on that note, I do want you to talk a little bit about what you do and how that is self-care and how that is um, really something that can sustain one's mental health. So I'm fully on board with what he's about to say. Um, so I think that I, I picked up running as many runners do, which is it's a means to an end. It's a workout. It makes me feel good here and there. Um, and it changes my perspective every single day. Um, so my approach to running was very unscientific, but it wasn't until after time that I understood the scientific um, means to the end of feeling better about yourself and your own mental health. Um, I started running in 2012 as an outlet to, to law school and my final exams and just getting, you know, doing something for myself. It turned into a completely different thing um, after my best friend committed suicide and I got into a deeper understanding of the community around running um, and what it just does for you as a person. Um, a lot of people understand their mental health to be something that they need to maintain, but it's they all have different approaches to it, which is fine. And um, though I was relatively um, was relatively ignorant of the mental health aspects of a lot of physical fitness, I quickly understood um, that. There's a reason why you feel better. There's a lot of brain activity. There's a lot of understanding of self. There's a lot of, um, you know, the, the, the fallback is endorphins, but there are even more increasing studies that have shown um, that benefits from running 
physical fitness, just getting out and doing something are internal rather than external antidepressants or any type of medicines. We're now at the point where within the last couple years, we're finding that um, for anxiety and depression, um, especially moderate to mild depression, physical fitness and, and running particularly are as effective as antidepressants. But the net result is much different considering that the, if, if you're to go out and take an antidepressant and it solves your day-to-day -day anxiety and, de and depression, um, that is an external thing. I can't really live without these things that someone gave me. Whereas the, the net result from doing it yourself and the uh, you know, brain activity being the same, it's a, it's a much different result when you feel like you've done it yourself. So I would say for me, and I think that you know, for there's a few in the audience, um, especially Marcel who invited me out here, running for myself has checked a lot of boxes even past just the initial recovery of losing my friend. It's given me a new way to handle a lot of life's ups and downs because it's a it's a checkout. It gets me away and it gets me inside my own um, my own head so that I can solve these things for myself. A lot of the things that I'm sure that she runs into is people just don't even check out for a second. You know, they don't look at, at their phone for 45 minutes at a time. So that might be revolutionary just in the sense of a therapy session. But um, the same can be found, well, not professional excellence of this right here, but I'm just saying the same type of checkout can be found when you run or, or in any type of endurance events. Um, and you equally don't have... You're not, you're not looking at your phone. And everything that's coming down on you, you know, kind of the hallmark of depression and anxiety is this idea that there's so much to do, I'm, I'm just not going to do any of it. And it's just too much for me to get through. But if you start running you know, at, at any point, your, your focus becomes on, it hurts, let me just get through this run. And so this broad aspect becomes a very focus thing and it and it really kills that overwhelming um, anxiety of everything that you've got going on. And I, I want to add running is free, right? So we're talking about a lot of self-care I think for me felt um, like it always seemed to involve money somehow, or spending money, or, or taking care of myself, always feels like really expensive. Like, I pay for therapy, and I'm like, fuck, I don't want to, but I have to. And I would say, you know, physical activity, running, and, and you know, while therapy has its lane, therapy can't do what physical activity does for you, or, or for yourself, or, you know, any sort of therapeutic activity, but specifically physical activity when you're referring to uh, endorphins and all of like, I just like calling them the good chemicals that it releases, like um, therapy is, is, is great, but it can't do what that'll do for you. Um, so it is 
really important. I mean, I have my own way that I sort of get my physical shit out. It, it's not that fun. Um, I think that, personally speaking, I mean, does, I could use more fun physical activities. I don't have a lot of them, but I know that there are things that I could be taking advantage of that I'm not taking advantage of. For example, New York City has free runners meetups. They have a whole, New York City provides free outdoor workout classes in like most parks. Um, all sorts of teachers will come in to do that kind of stuff. I know I, I used to live by one of the parks that used to have interesting shit going on all the time and I was like, how why did I not know about this? It's because I didn't look on their website. Um, so that's another thing. Um, and I, I wanted to sort of um, ask you what sort of community exists in sort of the physical space or like what kind of support systems have you been able to develop since you started running that are really specific to this this physical activity that you're doing? Yeah, so uh, a big thing that I think is um, kind of a misnomer of runners is that we always have this like drive to go run and um, you know, that we're always ready to go and, and, and go to the next marathon, and we always want to go, like, hang out with other runners. It's not how it works. We, are, we actually, it's like, a, it's like a joke within runners is, um, I hate running, I love running. You know, it's always this balance. But ultimately, I think it's important to understand that, you know, you're looking at folks, there's, there's a difference between the person that's, uh, so anxious and so depressed that, you know, they can't get up, you know, that they're like, you know, it just took a whole day for me to kind of get to 10 o'clock, and then I move to the couch and I watch Netflix for the rest of the day because I just wasn't feeling it. And you're like, yeah, but you should go run. They can't even get, you know, out of their house, much less, you know, lace up. So, um, for me, a big thing is the community that, um, New York City provides, which is all-encompassing. There's always one thing about runners and one thing about physically fit people, and if you've ever run in any kind of race, whether it's a 5K all the way to a marathon, is that you'll recognize that everybody, that, I mean, let's say this, all but three win, and we're talking about 50,000 people you know, on the biggest races. So it's a collective effort. We're all just trying to finish. And at, I've known people to give up trying to get their best times because they saw a friend trying to finish and couldn't finish and they, you know, need, they needed that encouragement to get done. Um, that's a collective energy that's inherent in just the entire practice. So as a runner... Um, I've recognized that, you know, within my run crew, within groups that I've run with that might be facilitated by a Nike or another brand, or even just like a collective of friends, like the Brownies, that turn, you know, just a, a group into, we're just going to go run, and none of us are fast, and most of us walk the whole time, but we're just going to go do it. Um, there's an accountability of running, and especially running in groups, that will get you up and make how severe your funk is, less funky. Sure, thank you for sharing that. And I, I want to point out that 
you know, not everybody necessarily lives in a place that feels safe to just go out and run, right? Not all of us are going to live in communities that have parks that we're going to be able to just sort of, like, jog down the fucking street on, like, Manita Street in Hunts Point. Like, not everybody's going to, like, necessarily feel comfortable doing that, but, like I said, I think that with, with things like Instagram and with things like um, just the internet, um, that there are ways and opportunities to really connect with other people that might be doing things that are interesting to you, because one of the things that New York is really good at doing is making people feel isolated as fuck. Um, how many of you have ever felt isolated in New York City? Raise your hands if you've ever fucking felt isolated in the city, or if you've like scrolled through something, you're like, oh, everybody's doing this thing. Seemingly, I don't really have something to do. And, and one of the things, you know, when, when I think about physical activities um, as therapeutic activities, I think about how as a society in the United States, it's generally speaking, it's, it's an individualistic society, right? It's like, pull yourself up by your fucking bootstraps and you're going to get this done and I'm here because I worked really hard and like we all probably to some degree understand that that is just not the reality and that there might be many of us here that actually come from more collectivist communities, communities where there's a lot of support systems, whether it's back home, whether it's in the community that you actually grew up in. When we as humans do not have those connections, when we do not feel like we are a part of a community, mental illness will fucking go up. Depression will go up. Anxiety will go up. Because if you isolate, let's say for example, now I love rats. I love rats. I used to have a rat as a pet. Um, I also owned snakes, but not at the same time. But rats are extremely sweet, very social creatures. And wait, listen, listen. <laughs> Do you know what happens when you isolate a rat? Anybody know what happens when you isolate a rat? They have neurological breakdowns. Like, literally, they do. They go crazy. Um, and there's a reason why rats are usually studied, like, be, things, you know, experiments and studies are usually done on rats before they're done on humans, because th where there's actually a lot of sort of, like, genetic parallels between us. So you laugh, but we are all just rats in a cage. No, okay, Smashing Pumpkins reference, moving along. Um, <clears throat> I guess my point is, is that as humans, we're actually not that much different. And a lot of coping mechanisms, um, I think, really emphasize on what we can do for ourselves. But there's so much, I think, that there is to learn about building communities that are sustainable, building communities that feel safe, building communities that are really a safe haven and that can really hold us up when we do not feel like we can hold ourselves up. It's not just about drawing on internal strengths. Sometimes we really do need to be, we, we need to be able to sort of reach outside of ourselves and just say, I need help and can you support me? And working out and becoming part of physical communities, play things that are free, is actually a really good way of starting to build those kinds of communities to find like-minded people that you just want to, you know, go over to somebody's house, turn on one of those, like, free YouTube yoga videos and, like, do it with each other, right? Um, that this is a really sort of easy, entry-level, low-hanging fruit, sustainable way of creating coping mechanisms that, again, are sustainable and are free. Yeah. OK, sorry. Yeah, I mean, just piggybacking on that, I would say that 
the way that my nonprofit and the way that I have been able to translate, because prior to my my best friend's suicide, I did not, I was not very familiar with mental health. I wasn't familiar with suicide, depression, any of that, bipolarity, nothing. I think a, a lot of us are not, unless we've had intimate experiences with it, with family members or friends, you know, the first time that you're really exposed to it, you're like, oh, I thought that was just something that people got committed for, or they have to take medicine for, or, you know, they need to, crazy is kind of the range that you're thinking of. So, for me, it was an eye-opener, um, but to that point, the easiest way to conceptualize mental health was in the phys physical health realm, and I, I often um, put it in the context of if I, you know, if I was limping around and my ankle was swollen, someone would say, hey, you need to sit down, put that up. You need to put some, you know, put some ice on that. That looks crazy. You look crazy. Why are you out here right now? And so equally, being more attuned to each other's mental health is as important. And when you feel someone off, it's not just, it's not something as simple as they're just having a bad day or they're just... You know, they're just being weird today. It should equally be looked at in the space of, you know, what's going on. And whether they want to talk to you or not, you at least let them know that you're present and that you recognize them whether they're going through something or not. And that's something that's inherent kind of in the running community. We're always attuned to one another's ills or, or hurts or... Um, you know, injuries, and we're like, yo, you need to pull back, chill out, and it's something that's a lesson for anyone that hasn't really immersed themselves in the mental health world, because it consistently can bring that into um, the way that you look at those around you. Um, and then lastly, I'll say that there is a inherent ability to understand uh, how enduring resilience transfers to your stresses that in physical fitness, um, and I know all of us have done something physically fit at some point, whether it's the mile in middle school or, you know, you've, you've tried a marathon before. Um, that translates into your most stressful times because you remind yourself of the things that you can get through. And because you recognize how you pushed yourself to the limit. Will Smith, of all people, said the two keys to life are reading and running, and running was because at some point you feel like you're going to die and you don't, and you get through it, and that can be translated into everything that you do mentally because you recognize how you can get through things in your own mental, um, and it doesn't just apply to physical. It, it can go through your professional life, your relationships, whatever else. Thank you. And I, I think that, wait, we are done. <laughs> thank you for yourself for the opportunity to preach. <laughs> thank you for having us. Thank you. That was beautiful, guys. Bye.